and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, the Worship Resources Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, the Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, the Director of Music Ministries. And together, we'll discuss how to plan worship using the Common Lectionary while creating worship series that are engaging, relevant, and adaptable for your church setting. Diana. Today's podcast is actually coming from our individual homes as the Discipleship Ministries offices are closed due to the ravages of the coronavirus. So the staff will be working remotely for approximately two weeks. However, be assured that we'll continue to share resources and alternative ways to be in worship, in prayer and praise, even as we are apart from our individual communities. Remember, you can access all this information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. You know, I think we would all agree that these are unprecedented times, times we could not have imagined even a decade ago. Our team's been thinking about how we might encourage and inspire you and your local church communities to remain connected through the work of worship, and how you might be intentional about continuing to create the beloved community, especially in times like these. We also want to direct you to other places for fresh ideas and resources in the coming weeks, so please do stay tuned. So, Diana and Derek, do you all remember the 20th century anthem by the the great Marvin Gaye asking the question, what's going on? (laughs) Perfect question for these days. What's going on? And I don't know that we necessarily have an answer to to any of that. I think everyone feels a little unsettled by what's going on. And in your introduction, you said we're closed 
the offices are closed for two weeks. We hope it's two weeks. It may be longer. Who knows? Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so many open-ended kinds of things right now. And what I sense in the church through my contacts and our Facebook pages and all that sort of thing is this sense of being unsettled, of not knowing what's next. And there's fear around the edges. There's concern. There's the worry about what's going to happen to the church in the long run. Mm-hmm. Michael Slaughter had a post saying, is this the acceleration of the de-churching of America, this mm-hmm. quarantine space that we have? I think people are just simply afraid, just worried. But we're also trying our best. What can we do? What's the next step? What should we do? And all of us have experienced different attempts at that. Mm-hmm. Um, this past weekend was the first one, and, and, and we saw some different things going on. Diana, you spoke about your experience. Yeah, well, as you said, this past week, we've seen so many changes in how we gather for worship. We've all been reading about these things on Facebook pages, on websites. Um, it's really interesting. The church I attended um, doesn't normally have a live stream. Um, the church I attend on a normal basis doesn't have a live stream worship. So this past Sunday, the worship staff led a Facebook live event with a few singers in the choir and some worship leaders, but an empty room. Um, Other than that, there was no congregation gathered. It was informal, um, and yet they had all the elements um, that you would expect in a worship service with the prayers of the people and um, the singing of hymns and, and so forth. Now, my daughter goes to a different church, and they also, and it's a contemporary uh, modern worship service that they put on, and um, they were also scrambling to live stream their praise and worship service. And so what we ended up doing on Sunday was watching a little bit of both. Uh, we watched the praise and worship part of um, that church and then uh, put on the sermon from the church that Tim and I attend on a regular basis. We lit a candle first and put that on in our room. And from our den, we watched a couple of worship services. Yeah, you're still church shopping, I see. <laughs> well, oh, you're not supposed to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> well, the church that my wife and I attend has done a live stream for a long time, so they were comfortable with that. The difference was, of course, there's no congregation, and so they were doing it strictly uh, on on the cameras and speaking to us in our home. So we tuned that in. They only did the one service, so we actually watched a recording. We were trying to go live at 11, but they had already they recorded it at 8.45, so we had to watch the recording, so we were a little bit late. But they performed it as if we were there on mm-hmm. Sunday morning, did their usual kind of thing. They acknowledged that the place was empty and the choir was only half full, sitting with space in between. They were social distancing even up in the choir loft. Um, so there were visual visual signs that there was a difference. But other than that, they tried to do their normal sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But others are trying different kinds of things. I have a colleague in Indiana who told me that what he did is he invited everybody to go ahead and come to church, but stay in their cars. And it turned <laughs> into like a drive-in movie theater. He had an FM broadcaster, and he broadcast it to their car radios, and they stayed there. And they didn't open the windows. They didn't take an offering. They didn't do communion. But they were all physically present, could wave to each other through the windshields of their car. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> people are trying different kinds of things to, yes, to stay yes, connected somehow. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I thought I'd try a couple as well. I, sort of like uh, Diana, I was surf, worship surfing and I started out in Atlanta um, <laughs> at First United Methodist, well, First Baptist actually it was, I think, um, is it Charles Stanley? I believe it is. I typically like uh, the, hearing the orchestra and I, I was really curious to know how that service was going to shape up. And um, interestingly enough, there was just a trio and the pastor. And, mm-hmm. um, but the trio was outstanding. And of course, um, the message was, it was encouraging. Uh, I didn't stay for the whole service <laughs> because there was another service uh, that I wanted to see, which was in New York, which, where my baby brother is in Brooklyn. And I was really curious about that. I, I was amazed to turn on and see the church full. And I thought, what on earth? Well, they had not gotten the word that the 500 number had dwindled down, dwindled down to 250 and the 250 had dwindled down to 50. So it was at the end of the service the pastor announced to everybody that we were only supposed to have 50 people here, but they apparently had decided to just go on with worship. I talked to my brother a little while later and he said, and he said, we had had such a good time. It really didn't matter to anybody that we had not (laughs) done what we were supposed to do. (laughs) But, but yes, uh, it was interesting being at home in my den and, and just, um, you know, observing. I wasn't, I have to admit, Derek, I was not fully engaged in the worship experience because I was really using it as a, a, a sort of a observant participant. Mm-hmm. So, in well, some and, way, that's, and that's one of my concerns about this move toward online worship. I, I think there are great advantages to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in this time where we're all, in a sense, forced to, to a degree, to engage in that. I think we need to think about some parameters for how we go about doing it. Yes. And I think we need to encourage our congregations at home to actually be intentional about setting a space for this time of worship and tuning in. We watch TV and, and surf the computer, as you're saying, uh, Cynthia, uh, as background noise in a sense. Right. And we're right. not really focused. We're not really present. I was encouraged, Diana, when you said you lit a candle in your home to bring you present to that. There are different ways we could set up a space. First of all is to turn off the cell phones, for heaven's sake, during the time of worship. Turn off the distractions that take us away from that. And then create some sort of worship space, a candle or, or an altar of some sort at home, whether you're at the TV or the computer, whichever it is. Mm. And let that space be a worshipful space and enter yes. into that. I, I think that'll help us stay engaged with the experience of worship. Mm-hmm. Another point I would make is that we also need to be reminded that we're not alone. Mm. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. And that is an important uh, thing to observe how it is that uh, we get to be in solidarity with Say, for instance, senior citizens who really are are not always privy to uh, a local congregation, uh, but they indeed uh, find moments to um, to be in worship. But it's usually not uh, with a full community. Some of them can't even leave their rooms in nursing homes. Uh, So this has been a a really a, a rude awakening, I think, for so many of us. Uh, in terms of how it is that corporate worship 
can make a difference in your overall um, mental capacity and, and uh, your emotional status. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think one of the beauties of um, live stream and even Facebook live events is that we can be interactive with it. Yes. We can um, uh, share comments, uh, even if it's just a little heart or a thumbs up. Yes. Those are things that show that we are engaged and we're not just spectator. Yes. And in some cases, people even set it up where you can um, put in your prayer concerns. Right. Um, right. They might not be read at that point, but they are they, uh, they are keeping that catalog of those prayer concerns that will then go to a prayer team and so forth. And right. I think for many of us, that reminds us that we're not alone. We, yes. we are a community, even if we're not in the same room together. Um, it's, and it, isn't it a blessing that uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to conceive of the fact that this time of quarantine would give us yield anything good. Right. But the bottom line is that uh, we, we really have there's some things that we can learn from being quarantined. Derek, what do you think? I, I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to take seriously this time and think about what it is that we might learn from this that we can then carry over when when we're mm-hmm. back to normal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, we may never Thank be normal. normal again. But but what can we learn in terms of how we keep people connected? What yeah. can we learn about the space? We often talk about wanting to include those who are traveling or those who are homebound or for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but do we take it seriously enough to to really reach out and make sure that they're a part of that? I think this is one thing that this is teaching us. Absolutely. It's also teaching us the value of the face-to-face, yeah. uh, and we, we need to not neglect that. When you're forced to not have it, then you begin to realize how important it really is. Worship. Yeah, treasure it. That's right, yeah, and I, and I think that might help us when we are together again. Mm-hmm. You may need to keep some distance. We may need to think about that greeting time during worship, even in the future. Yes. Um, so that we can protect one another. I mean, that's one thing I, I don't know that we've mentioned yet. And that is that we're not just doing this for ourselves to keep ourselves healthy. We're doing it for one another. We're doing it yeah. for the most vulnerable in one sense. We're doing it for others who may be hurt. And though our inclination might be to say, well, we're going to be okay. Let's just get together anyway. Mm. Well, there's some wisdom in in thinking of someone else first and those who might be affected by that. I also think that um, this this is a marvelous time for our worship spaces to breathe. Um, Mm. I think it's a wonderful time for uh, us to really take the time to uh, allow the fresh wind of the Spirit to blow into these spaces. Uh, and then at the same time, we ourselves experience it. It's, I don't think it's happenstance that this is all happening during the Lenten season when mm-hmm. we are purposefully cleansing the temple through fasting uh, and through denying ourselves. Isn't, isn't that a, a, an interesting uh, dichotomy be- between uh, clean, clearing out the sanctuary and clearing out these body temples? Uh, I think there's something to be said about uh, the fact that these things are happening at this time. I think it also reminds us that worship is a full body thing. It it involves our whole selves. It's not just something we do in our heads. 
Yes. Something we do with our whole being. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I see that connection. And it reminds us that um, we are the church. Uh, it's not the building. Yes. And it's right. not, it, it doesn't have to have these structures that are outside of us. We are the church together, as mm-hmm. the, this, the song says. Diane, I also hear us singing, we, Lord, prepare me to be mm-hmm. a sanctuary, pure and <laughs> holy, tried and true. And with Thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Amen. Uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is most of us are trying to figure out how to navigate the things that we do typically in the worship service. Uh, so how do we become a sanctuary? Uh, I was reading the other day uh, one of the pastoral statements from uh, one of our bishops uh, that talked about how we can best care not only for these body temples, but for those who are the most, as Derek said, the most vulnerable among us. And a colleague, uh, one of our colleagues at Discipleship Ministries, almost in the same breath, sent uh, an idea about doing a Friday fast Mm. and inviting us to invite friends and family members and parishioners and neighbors to join us in giving up uh, on Friday the purchase of our favorite Starbucks drink or the, the idea of purchasing lunch, to, to give that up on Fridays and then contribute that money to families in our churches or our communities, our neighborhoods, or even in public schools where children are not receiving the lunch that they need due to the school closings. So there, uh, this, this idea of the work of worship goes way beyond uh, the things that we traditional do, traditionally do on a Sunday morning, those images and those practices, really we must go beyond the back door of the church. Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. said in Matthew 25, when I was hungry, you fed me. Um, the 35, 35 through 40 verses, Jesus goes through this litany of, of things. When I was in prison, you visited me. Uh, I think that's a part of our understanding what worship ought to look like beyond just trying to figure out Sunday morning. Mm. But another thing that we're navigating, I'm sure, is the various rituals uh, that we typically do uh, in our worship services. Uh, Of course, the Eucharist, along with baptism. Uh, I would commend to you in lieu of uh, the communion service, because we know that in the United Methodist Church, uh, our doctrine and our polity uh, mean, uh, suggest to us that an elder, an ordained elder must be there to bless and serve the elements. Um, but if in fact you are not worshiping uh, in a group, or even if you are worshiping with that 10, that number 10 uh, persons together, you could always opt for a love feast. Um, some of you have heard about the love feast. It's an interesting uh, history of that feast out of the um, first century church. And we can thank the Moravians for bringing that celebration back to life. Um, and the vitality that Charles Wesley gave to it, actually. But it's an appropriate um, um, act of love and warmth and sharing. And it can be done in any setting. Uh, so it, it's, while it is not the Eucharist, 
it is meant to be God's grace extended uh, from one to the other, acknowledging God's grace and God's presence. Uh, It is a way for us to remember Christ's presence on earth. And it's a way for us to celebrate that love with the gratitude and spirit of God's love. So simply a matter of having water and a wafer or cracker, um, if you need it to be um, um, without gluten, you can do uh, the crackers uh, that are gluten-free. But it's just a matter of uh, sitting around a table or just standing in a circle and passing uh, cups of water uh, along with a cracker and saying some words of grace and peace, passing a peace uh, one to another. Uh, of course, you know, we are all washing our hands like crazy. And so uh, even in doing a love feast, we want to be mindful of hygiene. And uh, there are several ways to pass the peace. Um, you could do it verbally only by simply saying the Lord be with you. Uh, with the response and also with you or by saying God's peace and the response simply peace. Or you can do it with gestures along with the words. Uh, You could take both hands, press them together as if you're going to pray. And then each person turns to another person and offer a slight bow toward that person. Or you could take both hands and cross the chest and sort of in a Wakanda spirit, bow to one another, uh, simply saying peace. Uh, Another idea for passing the peace can be found uh, on various uh, YouTube clips where uh, ASL sign language gives you wonderful demonstrations of how to say um, the various words that go along with passing the peace, God's peace or the Lord be with you. Uh, that that also is a demonstration that our congregations are welcoming everyone uh, into the fold and into the celebration. There may be others, uh, other ideas that you have uh, that you would want to share. Uh, you can do that on our Facebook page. Um, Diana will tell you a little more about that in just a moment. Um, Derek and Diana, do you have other uh, ideas about passing the peace or about the uh, communion ritual? I wanted to back up for just a minute as you were talking about expressions of love and community um, as we serve our neighbors. Um, uh, And, you know, we teach in worship that liturgy is the work of the people. And by that, we basically say that in a worship service, we are active participants and there's call and response happening, that pattern happening all throughout worship. But the biggest response, of course, is what we do out in the world after we leave the worship service. Mm -hmm. And that is what this time is calling us to. How are we going out to the community? How are we serving others? I know in our neighborhood, on our um, next door site, lots of us have signed up to help um, the elderly in the neighborhood who can't go get their medicines, who can't go to the grocery store, buy that toilet paper everybody's looking for. So I think those people, um, all of us together, after we go do these good works, if we can come together and then share the love feast, like you're saying, what better way do we show that we are a community and the hands and feet of Christ 
remembering, yes. you know, bringing our members back together, knitting us back together in these acts. I think yes. that um, this call, this time calls for that. Absolutely. I think worship always invites us to ask, who else can I include? Right. Who else can I invite? Who else can I be connected with somehow? And, Who's and this time is calling for some creative thinking on that. That's How right. do we include somebody without physical presence sometimes? Yes. In some ways, you were talking, Cynthia, about the coincidence or whatever that that this is happening during Lent. Well, it's also happening at a time technologically where we can still make connections. We don't have to feel isolated. Yes, there are some who are still outside of the electronic community, but Mm -hmm. by and large, most folks are connected somehow. Somehow. I think we could pass a piece by sending a text. We can pass the piece by an email or... or even a letter. And I think those still happen. Um, Some people still write letters from time to time, but but ways of reaching out. I I think if we consider that, as Diana says, an extension of our worship, a continuation of our worship, I think we don't have to be afraid that the community will dissipate. Right. Work even harder to keep it connected. Amen. You know, uh, those of us who are ordained and working in boards and agencies are uh, appointed to what is referred to as uh, appointments beyond the local church. And so those who are actually situated geographically within the bounds of the conference, we don't really get to interact with them, to interface with them as colleagues and um, members of the conference. But our bishop does something that I really, really do appreciate. Uh, And every week, uh, four persons, faces, names, contact information uh, is sent to us via email, and we're simply told to pray for them. And so I, I started, I, when, when my name and my face appeared, I was just totally amazed mm-hmm. at the number of persons who sent me notes uh, and uh, greetings. And so I started to be more intentional about doing the same. And that has really helped me First of all, to learn who's in my annual conference since I'm not there physically. Uh, but I'm finding that persons that I just, I simply say, I'm praying, and think, praying for and thinking of you today. That's all I say. And I get some of the most heartwarming responses back mm-hmm. uh, from people who perhaps have, have not heard those words. Yeah, I think it's important for us to maintain the, the links in whatever ways we can. Mm-hmm. Some of us enjoy solitude, some of us enjoy <laughs> a, a distance and, and a space to think and to be, yes. but, but we can't do away with the sense of community. We can't just let it let it wait its time. We have to continually be reaching out and continually be making connections in some form or another for our own good as well as for the good of others. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of uh, continuing to form community, music in worship, how do we do music and worship at a time like this? It's, it uh, can be a little bit challenging. Um, so I know for many people, they might not have um, the access to um, a choir and even an accompanist if they're doing house church kind of worship. Um, but you know, we have some great links on our website at Discipleship Ministries. 
Um, we have piano accompaniment recordings that you can use to have your own family worship time or if you're having neighbors or others. Um, and even in some of these small churches, I've had people ask me, where can I find these piano recordings? Because I don't have a musician right now to help lead us. So the piano accompaniment recordings on our website, go find those there. Um, Abingdon has a number of resources. That's the United Methodist Publishing House, which publishes our United Methodist hymnal and all our supplements, the faith we sing, uh, worship and song and others. They have a number of things um, that can help you as well to make music at this time and be able to sing our, our hymns of our faith, which give us such comfort and encourage us at, at, at a rough times like now. So go to our website and you'll find those. And I also just want to lift up that um, we also have links to CCLI and OneLicense.net, which are our two licensing, the two largest licensing uh, companies that are realizing that at this time people are needing some of their resources. So they are giving us um, a free time, if you will, until April 15th is what I remember, um, so that you can use some of their uh, songs and be able to stream them and uh, uh, download them uh, in this time when we're all uh, not going to our normal places of worship. So, Diana, are you saying that people need a license in order to utilize these? What, what is if, CCLI? Yeah, Christian Copyright Licensing Incorporated is the biggest company that represents all the writers, both of the text and the music tunes um, of all the hymns that we have. Um, like I said, they're the biggest company. They're not the only one and they don't represent everybody, but they represent the artists mm -hmm. so that when we make copies of songs or right. when we live stream songs that we are um, making sure that they get uh, their payment. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's their creative product that we're using in, in our worship services. So um OneLicense.net is the other big company. Mm -hmm. So be sure and look at those uh, so that you are staying within the legal bounds of what we do in worship. Um, and again, the main reason is that we pay our creative artists because this is their livelihood. Another um, suggestion about uh, music, if you don't have a musician, just know that we'll be happy to rent out the beautiful voice of Diana Sanchez, the song <laughs> that you heard at the top of this podcast. In fact, Diana, you yes. opened us with a gorgeous arrangement of the Kyrie. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> I would be so happy to tell you about that. And and uh, I'll just uh, throw it right back to Cynthia and say, yeah, she's available for rent as well. <laughs> We're not going to give you Derek, though. Um, <laughs> They should thank you, too. <laughs> <laughs> so this Kyrie, um, first of all, the Kyrie eleison is a three-part prayer. Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison. And um, the Kyrie harkens back to the Old Testament. But the Kyrie is in Greek because um, in the New Testament, um, we brought in Christe, Christ. So it's Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. And um, these words are used as a response of the people 
during the prayer of the faithful or what we now say the prayer of the people, mm-hmm. prayers of the people. Um, so that's the text of it. The music, this beautiful music, um, is, is found in Anton Dvorak's um, uh, New World Symphony, Symphony Number no. 9. Mm-hmm. And it's the second movement, but it came to us because he was here in this part of the world and listening to African-American song, uh, also Native American song, and was seeing the intersection of so much folk music. And he loved it and he wanted to uh, highlight it. And this um, this melody he heard and um, the the text we often associate with it is called going home, going home, going home. I'm going home. Quiet like some, some still day. I'm just going home. Um, but now we've put this Kyrie prayer to this beautiful melody. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what I sang today. Oh, that it's, was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. And I'll just, I'll, my husband is the one playing the guitar on it too. So, oh, we, thank you, husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, I think, an appropriate word for this time the, the Kyrie, the Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, inviting yes. us to remember this time of, of anxiety and difficulty and struggle that underneath it all, God is still God. Indeed. Regardless of the innovations we have to make and the, the deprivations we have to have in terms of our normal routines, we can trust in that, in that presence and in, and in God's grace. And part of, the, I think, the, the call of the people of God is to communicate that hope, communicate that, that peace in a difficult time. There's so much anxiety uh, in, in the world, and we could be the ones who say, It'll be okay. Whatever yeah. happens, there may be struggles, there may be difficulties, but underneath it, God has got us. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are held in those hands, and so we can hold on to that. So, yes, which is why I think we wanted to include in this podcast a, a moment of worship, a, a time yes. of reflection on the word and, and prayer so that we can remind ourselves and any who may be listening of that presence of God. So. We invite you to to enter into a space, a, a time of worship, and hear first the the word that Cynthia brings to us from Psalm ninety one. From the New International Version, the psalmist writes, "Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, God is my refuge and my fortress." my God in whom I trust. Surely God will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. God will cover you with God's feathers and under God's wings you will find refuge. God's faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, 
No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For God will command the angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You'll tread on the lion and the cobra. You'll trample the great lion and the serpent. Because they love me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them for they acknowledge my name. They will call on me and I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Another item we often use in worship is the Lord's Prayer. Many of us know it, and we know some different versions, perhaps. But but I encountered this version. Um, it was written by uh, a Catherine Hawker, and it was on the website Liturgies Outside. But it's just simply taking the Lord's Prayer and dividing up the different statements to let us reflect on that. And so we thought we would share this prayer with you and invite you to to pray with us. So after each sentence of the Lord's Prayer, then there is a word of reflection and then a brief silence as we think about that. So so will you join us in prayer? Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mystery beyond our knowing, close to us is our breathing. In humble awe we pray. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your vision of justice and mercy would be made real in our world even now. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray for your vision of enough. Enough sustenance, enough warmth, enough healing for all of your children. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray for the grace to let go of that which deals in death, as we embrace your vision for life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us to follow you more closely, that we might dwell in the safety of your everlasting arms. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. We give you thanks for your presence here and now, in the life to come. Amen. 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 So thank you all for joining us today. We have certainly enjoyed this time with you. We hope this has been helpful. And remember to go to our Facebook pages, UMC Music and UMC Worship Planning. And there you can find um, a place to uh, not only listen to what other people are doing, but a place for you to post what you're doing in your churches. We help each other, and this is a good place to go. And as always, of course, we invite you to find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. There's a specific article about all these things we've been talking about today for this unusual time, but there are also general helps and information there to help you do worship in your place. So friends, 
Until next time, we'll be praying for you and with you and your congregations. And may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.